Hi guys, welcome to Bumps and Besties, a podcast about navigating the journey to motherhood through fertility struggles, friendship, and all the bumps along the way. I'm your host, Lexi, along with my co-host and bestie. Hi, I'm Amy. Our podcast is here to explore the often tricky, usually emotional path to motherhood through the lens of two besties on two different paths. Laugh with us, cry with us, and know wherever you're at on your journey, you're never alone because your besties are here and we have your back. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bumps and Besties. Good morning. We are coming to you with a new microphone this week, so some hopefully improved sound quality. Let us know, can you hear us better? Yeah, hopefully. We um, made the mistake of when we first decided we wanted to podcast of buying two cheaper microphones, and now we have gone down the path of just one more expensive microphone, and the guy at the counter told us that this was the microphone to have. So fingers crossed. And shout out to the guy at JB Hi-Fi. You said you were going to listen to our podcast. So if you are listening, hello. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully the sound is better. Oh, God. How's your week been? It's been good. It's been busy back at work this week. So just trying to balance getting everything sorted for my booking and having a baby, as in like having a child <laughs> that's already here and then also being pregnant. Um, But it's been fine. And I think... Ted's had a little bit of a sniffle, which has been difficult. Mm. Change of season here, it is getting colder. And as much as I try and keep socks on him, the kid does not He does not like socks. So he just rips them off all the time. So he's probably constantly cold feet, resulting in a snotty nose, which is never fun because we've had to cancel like three Play-Dohs this week. (laughs) But other than that, it's been good. How are you? How are you feeling? What is happening? So we do have an update. Woo-hoo. I am five weeks pregnant. Congratulations. So it's still a very much take it day by day, week yes. by week, being closely monitored. Um, we still have a bunch of blood tests before we get to a scan, mm-hmm. some hurdles to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, but the transfer did take. That's so exciting. And the two blood tests I've had so far do look all within normal parameters. So, so we are hopefully, fingers crossed, this is the one. I absolutely <clears throat> hope so. Everything, everything is crossed. Yeah. And I hope all our listeners, everything, everything is crossed. We will keep you updated. <laughs> yeah. Tune in every week for uh, embryo transfer. Number six. Yeah. Updates, mm. which is really exciting. Yes. So this week, guys, we have decided to have a little bit of a chat. And <laughs> we wanted to talk about something because I'd recently seen a little conversation happened in a mother's group and it kind of took me a little bit aback and I was a bit confused in terms of not really knowing where I stood on this and it took me a couple of minutes to kind of work it out. So the conversation was about what your expectations are Mm -hmm. of your partner and the big conversations you need to have with your partner before you have a baby. So (laughs) in the mother's group, the conversation was I'm six weeks postpartum this is our first kid I'm really struggling with how much there is to do my husband says we should just get a nanny we can afford it and her issue was that she didn't want to get a nanny she wanted her husband to do more yeah so obviously a bit of a breakdown in terms of like expectation conversation prior to having their kid yeah whether it was that they maybe 
maybe didn't understand how much extra work there would be once the baby came along. Yeah. Maybe the partner always just kind of assumed, oh, well, if we need extra hands, we'll get a nanny on board because they didn't have family either. So that never helps. And then I think from her perspective, she was feeling frustrated because that just wasn't the answer she was looking for. She didn't want just any random person coming in to help with her baby. She wanted her partner to step up and do more and be more involved. Yeah, it's just an important conversation. Obviously, he probably thinks he's helping by saying, we'll get a nanny, like, yeah, that's a solution. But yeah, if you haven't discussed it prior, I guess it can be a, they're the discussions you need to have before you think about having a baby when you're pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. So we thought we'd kind of make a bit of a list of the things that we think are important to have a chat with before you get pregnant, during your pregnancy, and in those early days of Mm-hmm. baby rearing once bubs comes along so I mean like I think obviously the biggest one that sometimes if you're not planning on having a baby this step gets skipped obviously yeah but I think just working out your timelines are aligned like are we ready to have a baby have we thought about the financial implications of this and I think that's definitely one of the first conversations if you're starting to plan and you have the the hindsight to plan it and it's not just um, an accident, then I think yeah. that's the first conversation you really well, need to Well, I think we touched having. on this a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about sacrifices yeah. and your career is a big one for a lot of people and are you ready to give that up or take a step back from it and pause because that's what it is essentially. Yeah, that is a reality of it. So I think that's definitely an important conversation to have is just to sit down and be like, are we ready? Is this something both of us want as well? Because I do think that sometimes the timing is a little bit skewed. I've known couples in this situation where unfortunately their relationships have broken down because the timing wasn't right for both of them. Mm -hmm. One party was really ready to have a family. The other one wasn't sure that they were ready. And it actually led to the degradation of their marriage completely. So I think that's definitely, first and foremost, are we ready to have a baby? And in that, some people like to international travel, which is not so feasible with a newborn or an infant. So have you done enough of that to keep you satisfied for a couple of years? Yeah, until you're in that position where you're able to hop on a a plane, train, bus, whatever you want to do to get to wherever you want to go. It is much more complicated when you have little people to take with you. Mm -hmm. So I have strongly encouraged a few of my friends who are sort of younger and they're thinking that like in the next couple of years they want to have a family and like go and travel, see the world, do all the things that you want to do so that when you are sitting up at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) rocking your baby to sleep you have those memories to think back and be like I did that that I like the things I wanted to do I've done them yeah definitely and then I think a next big one and this is the heavy hitting one and hopefully you've already had a lot of these discussions when you've gotten with your partner because I think that that's probably a time where you have the same conversation it's just like do your morals values and religion align with each other and have you decided like are we going to raise our child in a particular denomination of religion or will we just let them pick or are we going to you know be wholly devoted to a particular faith and that will dictate their schooling that I think that's it a plays big a big part in everything yeah yeah see I think so Gary and I both come from quite non-religious backgrounds mm-hmm. like my grandmother is quite religious um and so is his grandmother but trickling down into our parents aren't so much mm-hmm. um I went to a catholic school we went to church regularly but none of it really resonated with me and mm-hmm. it doesn't once I entered into teenagehood I 
stepped right back and haven't missed it. Yeah. Um, Gary's never really been interested in religion, as far as I can tell. So yeah. that one, we were lucky. We were pretty much on the same page right away. That That's good. It's not important to us. And while we will expose our kid to anything and everything, no matter what school you go to these days, they teach you little bits and pieces about all sorts of denominations anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and understanding, I think, if especially if they're learning history, they're going to learn about religion because so many laws rules wars have all been sort of dictated around different religions clashing over different things so i think there's no way to be completely absolved from all religion in every context of the world but i think having that conversation to be like okay your partner's anglican and you're lutheran does that mean that one of you has to change your yeah your which one takes preference for yeah in terms of of schooling or like you know if if there's going to be any big difference or is, are you going to be bothered by that at all? Like maybe you're an atheist, but you are fine with your kid going to a Catholic school. Like I think that's a pretty big conversation to have beforehand. Yeah, definitely. Because it will. <laughs> I've just started doing school tours. <laughs> like it's it's amazing how quickly you have to sort of start thinking about that stuff. And even just like the big morals and value topics, you know, what you do and don't believe is right and wrong in the world. How yeah. much family input you want people to have yes um you know how involved you want your parents to be and all that kind of thing yeah absolutely and I think that's a really good point actually is having a conversation with grandparents or aunties uncles whoever's going to be involved with the child to see how much involvement they want Mm -hmm. and I guess that is going to touch on one of our points a little bit later when we talk about you know roles in the family Mm -hmm. is to understand like oh okay well if your parents can give us one day a week and my parents can give us one day a week that means like in the future I could work more or something like that like I do think those conversations are better had before the baby comes along so it doesn't become an argument down the track track because you've gone oh well your parents are retired I thought they would take the baby like- well and it's interesting because my husband had a client's house he went to the other day and she had her grandkids there and they were having a chat and she was saying her daughter-in-law is from a different culture and in that culture the grandparents step in heavily once the baby is born and take on that almost a second mother kind mm-hmm. of role but here I guess not so much especially if the grandparents are like in a younger demographic and they're still yes. working and having yeah. their own lives Um, Their family was a point of contention because the expectation and what was actually going to happen were two very different things. Yeah. And, you know, I guess some grandparents are in that younger, I'm still living my life, Mm. I've raised my children kind of phase. And while others might be slightly older and retired and happy to spend their free time doting on your kids. But I Mm. guess it is something you all need to be on the same page about. Absolutely. And going in the other direction, maybe they want to be more involved than you want them to be. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I was actually listening to something on, uh, I think it was NPR with Ash the other day, and they were talking about this exact thing Mm. and saying that motherhood in Australia looks quite different to other countries around the world because we are a country where so many people have migrated from different cultures around the world. And so a lot of people have like split families. So, you know, their grandparents might still be living in Italy, but their parents came over with them when they were young. And in Italy, like you all live together and it's a very big family dynamic. But if your children have only grown up in Australia, then they have that concept that, oh, well, you know, you're, as a young couple, you live by yourselves and you don't live with your parents. Yeah. And I think it was causing 
a little bit of a back and forth of confusion between generations because you know the parents might be like but this is how we do it back home yeah and the young family is like but this is how we do it in australia yeah and i think too also like we talked we touched on about people are more open to conversations and boundaries and stuff and we're more willing to put those boundaries in place and we're more confident these days to tell people what we do and don't need Mm -hmm. and have those conversations and you know i feel like I've spoken to a lot of people throughout the years who've had their mothers or their mother-in-laws or their grandmothers or whatever it may be trying to give them too much help and too yeah. much information oh and God, too I, much I'd advice. Welcome it. <laughs> and I think for a long time people have just taken it because that's what mm. you're supposed to do is listen to your elders and the women oh, who definitely. raised you. And yeah. I think now we're a lot more confident as a generation to say, hey, no, I'm going to do this my way. Please take a step back yeah. kind of thing if that's what you feel like you need to do. Yeah, and I think that a big sort of point of contention on that is discipline Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that we are going to talk about now because I think that generation to generation the concept of discipline of children has changed so significantly absolutely and I think that's definitely an area where you can find a little bit of friction between say the parents or grandparents yeah because we were raised quite differently and now that we know so much more about childhood development and there's been so much more research into long-term effects of you know discipline physical discipline discipline on children now that our generation tends to really kind of just hard bar no (laughs) smacking no nothing like that yeah and I think sometimes the grandparents well, they were bit. getting the ruler and the belt when they were at school. So exactly. for them, a smack on the bum with the spatula or whatever was no big deal because yeah. it was nothing like what they got and they thought they had improved that. Exactly, um, exactly. But, yeah, coming into our generation, I don't think I really know of anyone who no. just physically disciplines their kids no. anymore. I, I feel like I saw it a little while ago in a shopping centre and it was really jarring to me, like a little kid was having an absolute meltdown and i think it was the dad just smack and i was really like oh taken aback taken aback because it's just not something you see anymore like i feel like our generation as we've come through we've gone there are better ways of handling that situation we know it doesn't do any good yeah there are better ways of handling situations well everyone's all about the gentle parenting these days and communicating and getting on their level which and understanding that children are human beings yeah they're just trying to regulate their emotions which is very hard when you don't even know what those emotions are no exactly and I think that the more research and development that's gone into like you know understanding childhood development and the levels of emotions and testosterone and estrogen that's flying around your body which makes you feel more emotional they're not just naughty they're overwhelmed yeah exactly and and our world is extremely intense like from a sensory level and we know that with things like the amount of people who have sensory issues that are in our generation who are getting diagnosed with you know adhd or uh overstimulation they find themselves feeling anxious in really busy crowds like there's our world is a lot to take on and we're adults who have lived through life and have access to therapy tools and we still feel overwhelmed so it's i think we're starting much smaller human fear yeah a little person who hasn't had much time to understand what their feelings are sorry you guys are probably going to hear ted in the background (laughs) a little he's having a chat this week yeah he's very very chatty this week but i think 
we are starting to look at that and go, they're still humans, they're still people and having... Exercising a bit more patience because we know Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a big one to have a chat with your partner. Like, where do you stand on smacking? What kind of parent do you want to be? These are some tools that I've been looking at to deal with these situations. And that's something that Ash and I have come across a lot because when we were growing up, it, our dads worked away and it was, well, not away, but like they worked long hours, long hours in, in offices. Home, yeah. So for us, it was always like mum was the one who was there all the time. And if we were misbehaving, there was always a threat of dad. Mm, they were the figure that was going to come in and do the discipline. Yeah. Because, yeah. And I think like Ash and I just had that conversation and went, I don't want Ash to be this scary figure, this yeah. disciplinary figure in Teddy and Emerson's life. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. And, you know, as a result, how many men struggle to connect with their fathers because they never had the nurturing bonding side of yeah, things. Exactly. They just knew their their dad as the disciplinarian that came in to, you know, set you straight and do you had to do what you wanted rather than having like a safe place to go to find emotional regulation from a male figure yeah i think like the discipline side of things has to be fairly taken on by both sides it's not fair to have one guy be good cop bad cop oh, exactly. and play it like that because that parent is going to have that strained bond yeah. and strained relationship yeah. if they're always painted to be the bad cop and absolutely and i think that if the marriage then breaks down as well it can become really hard on the child to then want to spend time with that yeah. parent alone because if the conversation has always been like oh well that's the scary person that's the person who you know smacks me or yells at me I don't want to go and spend time with them yeah and it can fracture the relationship even more whereas if the child feels comfortable and nurtured and loved in both sides if there is a split then there's less resistance to want to have time with one or the other yeah, parent. Exactly. So yeah. definitely think that's a big conversation to have. The next one we think is probably once you are pregnant, this is something you'll probably start thinking about. And it's not something you probably think about too much before you hit the mark. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about are things like genetics yeah. and there are different things that they can pick up in scans along the way through your pregnancy. And I think having a conversation with your partner, even if it's early pregnancy or beforehand, to make sure that you're on the same page of like, okay, we've got a high risk of having a genetic disposition sent down from this family side or that family side, or we've got our results back from the genetic testing and we know that there's a high chance that our kid is going to have down syndrome what does that mean for us are we keeping the pregnancy terminating the pregnancy moving forward if they do have a particular genetic situation that means that one person is going to have to be a full-time carer of that child when they come along and i mean more than just normal, general like parenting. general parenting i mean like if you know that your kid is definitely going to have a severe side of uh, Down syndrome, then you know that that kid is going to need extra physiotherapy, extra speech therapy, all these extra tools and tricks to help you along the way with their development. Who's going to take on that role? And the, the conversation around terminating a pregnancy is a massive one, even for yes. people who don't, aren't in the realm of having children. Like there are so many strong opinions 
for and against oh, abortion and all those kind of things. And I guess just throwing a spanner in the works and saying, hey, now you have to consider it once you're already pregnant because yes. these tests are being done and you've developed a bond with the baby you've, especially exactly. for the mother, the baby that you're carrying. Oh, yeah, because by the, by the time you have those scans, sometimes you can even feel the kicks. You've probably had a scan, a visual scan that you can see the the baby swimming around you know mm. like you can have quite a an attachment to that child whereas maybe your partner isn't feeling as attached so they might be a bit more flippant and oh well if they're going to be messed up we just won't worry about it yeah like I have heard those kind of offhand comments and I think that that's definitely something you guys need to have a discussion with before you have the test done yeah. because it's, it's not mandatory either no. it's a choice I was really lucky that my GP and my OB were both really like gentle and made sure that they had a conversation with myself and Ashley and said, you know, this is a situation, guys. We are going to prep you before you have this test done and you need to understand what the risks are and you need to understand that you have to have a plan as to if this comes up or that comes up. Because obviously it's not just things like Down syndrome. There are things that mean that your child is not going to be viable past yeah being born <clears throat> and you need to make the decision a few hours and do you want to go through the entire pregnancy so that you can give birth to a child that you will have to say goodbye to after less than 12 hours or are you going to terminate this pregnancy beforehand and i think a lot of people go into like the nip test at nine to ten weeks and the 20 week scan thinking they're just positive exciting i'm gonna get mm. to know my baby's gender and i'm gonna see my and they don't really take on board that these tests are yes while they are there to do those things and bring you some joy they're actually primarily there to do these genetic tests yes. and check for these like a 20-week scan is such a crucial scan because that's where they are assessing the development of the baby and yes. all those kind of things yeah, it's not absolutely. just let's see what it's doing yeah. it's quite an important milestone and i don't think people go into it thinking like that they just think oh i'm gonna get my nips so i know the gender and yeah exactly go and see the baby and yeah it doesn't really register how serious those points are yeah and i think that obviously comes down to hopefully you've got good medical professionals on your side that are going to reiterate to you okay guys like these are the situations like there is a point that if we can't see this particular formation on the fetus at this age like we consider that there's a high chance of this this is or this and you know medicine isn't perfect so in all of these situations you can get a really high risk and your baby can still be perfect and that's the hard thing that's why yeah, it's it is never so difficult to make those choices and you need to make sure that you're on the same page before you go in yep. because if one person is a two percenter and they're like you know what there's a two percent chance that this baby's gonna be totally perfectly fine and the 98 percent chance that they're it's not going to be viable and the other person is on the other side going well, i don't think you should go through this entire pregnancy if that's the case like these are definitely conversations you guys need to be having before you get there yeah and then I think something we very briefly touched on just before was the conversation of who is going to be their primary carer. And this is whether they have additional needs or they're just the average baby that comes along because you do need somebody there to be looking after them, whether it's the first six weeks and then you decide to put them, your child in care or whether you're going to take the first five years of that kid's life off and wait until they're at school to go back to work, and whether it's the mum or the dad, whoever it is. There's generally one person who has the more 
present role for at least the first few months. Yeah. What, you know, is more inclined to do the pickups and drop-offs and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And I think that's so important to have those conversations. But in saying that, it changes. Yeah. Like, we had this conversation. So we've obviously been trying to have a baby for coming on eight years now. Mm. And at the time, I was in a high-paying corporate role and... My husband was dabbling in a few things because he wasn't enjoying. He'd been a chef for a long time and he hated the hospitality hours. Mm. So he's trying to attend a few different trades and seeing what he wanted to do. So it made sense at that time that I would go straight back to work when possible yep. and he was going to be the primary parent. Yeah. But then that all flipped on its head when my husband opened his business. And exactly. he's now the main income earner and I'm supporting him. Mm. It just makes sense that since I work from home anyway, I will be the primary parent now. Mm. And I guess as your life changes and as your careers change, you can have that conversation, but also be prepared for it to flip on its head. Oh, absolutely. And that all comes down to timing, right? Like if you guys had had your baby five years ago, the situation would be totally absolutely. different. Yeah. And I think it is really important to have that conversation. And obviously we're coming at this from a position of privilege. Mm -hmm. Like both you and I intend to be stay at home mums for the foreseeable future of our kids. Like, because of the way that my business is structured, I can pick and choose when I work and how much I work. And my work is primarily on the weekends. If I ever do a midweek job, I have support parents, uh, grandparents that can come and take Ted for the day. So I don't have a position where I need him to be in care. Yeah. So it's a thing that we had discussed that obviously my husband's not going to give up his medical career that he's trained for 20 years yeah. to be a stay-at-home dad so I can run my part-time business. That wouldn't make financial sense for our family. Yeah. And I know not everyone has that benefit, but even if you both intend to return to work, the conversation would still be there of who is going to look after the baby. Are they going to a grandparent's five days a week? Are you going to work part-time or your partner work part-time and then have them in part-time care? Will they be in full-time care at a nine-to-five creche or daycare center? Like these are all things that you need to have a discussion about. Yeah. And not just the time, but the money. Yeah, absolutely. Because to not take into account how expensive care is if it's not coming from a grandparent that you're not paying. I know some people do pay their grandparents as well to look after kids because it still ends up being cheaper than daycare. But you've got to look into, are we going to get subsidies? Are we going to get any financial help with this situation? Are there certain daycare centers that we get more or less that will cost us more or less? Is the and what combination kind of daycare are you leaning towards? Yeah. Is it a commercial daycare center? Is it a home daycare center? Yeah, absolutely. Is it a Montessori style daycare center? There are so many different things these days. Yeah. How involved do you want that care center to be? Is it just for your kid to go and play and be supervised, or are you wanting them to learn certain things while they're there? Yeah. There's so many different options for care itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that my biggest concern of deciding not to put Ted into care was whether he was going to get enough social time. And because a lot of people do return to work, and I know that I'm in the minority of people who are a stay-at-home mum until kids go to prep or pre-prep, which is what we're doing, mm -hmm. there aren't as many people to say have play dates with. And like I would probably struggle to organise a play date every day for Ted. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was when you and I joined a gym, we found one that has a creche. Yeah. So Ted has a music lesson on a Monday and then we go to gym, he goes to creche Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
So that means that four days out of the seven, he is having guaranteed baby on baby time. Yeah. He is playing with other caregivers. He is experiencing other children of different ages. He is being mentally and socially stimulated by other children and other activities outside of me. Yeah. Because I think that that is important for their development. And I've even seen, you know, massive leaps in things like his physical capabilities. He can throw a ball at a screen now, which is not something I've ever shown him how to do, but it's a game that they play at creche. Yeah. So these are skills that he's learning and benefiting from being in those environments. However, yes, he gets a little bit sicker more regularly than when he was six months old and not doing any of that. Yeah. So I think that's the other side of things is you've got to be like, okay, if we're going to put our kids into care, who is going to come home when those kids get sick? Because unfortunately, it's inevitable. I would not go a day without somebody in my mum's group or the mum's forums that I follow on Facebook that doesn't come up against this. I've just returned to work. I've got a new job. And every time my kids get sick every other week, I have to leave my new job because that's and and there's frustration and misunderstanding of how to deal with that like I wouldn't know what to do I look at that from the employer's perspective and I think well that would be really frustrating frustrating, yeah you've just hired this new hire you're trying to train them you're trying to get them up to speed and they're missing days out of every second week because their kids are sick and that's just what it is but how do you manage that in a way that's sustainable for the mum for the kids or the dad, whoever's the one returning to work. And then also for your employer. Yeah. So I think those are really important conversations to have. Is it financially viable for you guys to return to work? Because that all also comes into it. If I have to take time off because my kid is sick and we have to pay daycare fees, is it worth going back to work? Am I going to be able to hold down this job? Is it the kind of job where I am going to be able to have days off without... Yeah. Yeah. And also like understanding that obviously finances are not everything. Like I am definitely a person that does not work for the money. I work for the mental stimulation for the creativity because I love my business. So I can understand that side of things as well. But if you feel like you're being pushed back into a job strictly because you think it's financially more viable, then some big conversations have to be had. Does that mean that your partner then takes a little bit of a step back and takes every second sick week off so that you can get into the groove and enjoy the new job and your job isn't at risk like these are all things that you definitely need to have a conversation about can you share the load because the other side of it is say your marriage broke down and obviously this is not what we want for anybody but in that situation if it was say dad's week with the kids and they were sick he would have to leave work. Yeah. So you need to make sure that you're having these equal conversations because if he just puts it all on you and goes, oh, but you want to go back to work, so you've got to pick up the slack, then it's not going to work. You're going to build up resentment. You're not going to be happy at your job or happy at home. Yeah, So you need to have those conversations beforehand. And that comes back to our, our last point, which is expectations of what you need from each other in terms of input. Yeah. So this is a bit full circle back to the original post that I saw. Yeah. That this woman just wanted her husband to participate more. And the answer of getting a nanny was not the answer she wanted. Her answer was that I want my husband to participate in this more. 
Yeah. But the expectation wasn't set beforehand. So I think a lot of men just tend to be like, what's the quickest solution to this problem? Let's just do that. And that wasn't what she was looking for. Yeah. And, you know, and Nanny seems like a wonderful solution for a lot of people, but she makes a good point. If you don't want someone who you don't know very well taking care of your child, if you don't have family support um, from, you know, parents, grandparents, all that kind of thing, you need to lay out to your partner what you expect of them, what you expect them to do. Is there a part of the routine that you expect them to come home from work and take over so you can have an hour to yourself? You know, do they need an hour to decompress before that? What What does your day look like, depending on who's working, who's the primary carer, who needs a break, who needs what, and talking to each other. We've yeah. touched on it in previous episodes about, you know, what our partners require to decompress from work and then what we, we require around the house. And mm. you throw a baby into that mix, like where does it fit and who gets what and how do you structure your days? And I'm a very planning calendar type of list mm. person. So yeah. I will write everything down and I will map out each hour of the day. And this is roughly where this should be happening. And this is where this should be happening. And this is who should be doing it. Um, things are obviously going to change. You have to be somewhat flexible, mm. but I think just having a general idea of what you expect of each other. You know, if I'm looking after the baby all evening, then maybe my partner is taking care of cooking and cleaning and mm. those kind of jobs. Or while I'm cooking, he's got the baby. And then while he's cleaning, I've got the baby or whatever it may be. Yeah. Just making sure you know what you expect of that person. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like you touched on being flexible. That's so important because you you can have all the best made plans in the world, but if your kid is particularly colicky or you are having a particularly rough week at work, you need to be able to communicate with your partner and be like, hey, I'm really feeling this kind of way. This is something that happened to Ash Knight this week. He was feeling really, really burnt out. And I was confused by that because we just had a nice weekend away. It was really chill. Ted started sleeping through the night. And it was just like an adjustment period. And he was like, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. I'm really, really tired. And I just need a little bit more space from the constant go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Like his frustration was the fact that every hour of his day, except from like 9 till 10.30 was accounted for. Yeah. And he was just feeling really like, it was that grindy feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just like, I've got no time for myself. I'm feeling completely strung out in this situation. But we were able to kind of communicate. I started changing my routine a little bit to give him a little bit more space. So, and and it's worked and it, we've come through the other end and it didn't have to, there was no big argument. There wasn't a, a big issue of contention. It was just like. Having that flexibility yeah. to change things. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's something that we did and we're like, okay, cool. Let's try and do it this way. And he's always been such a routine person and I felt like, I was starting to feel like, yeah, we are nailing this routine. We are getting into this routine. <laughs> and because things had been so smooth sailing, he was feeling really like a bit, I think, confronted by that, being like everything's just accounted for and being done. and Too regimental. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realise he needed more flexible time. Mm -hmm. So that's something we've kind of adjusted to. Because previously, being on a really strict regiment, if you like, for our days and our weeks was working really well because Ted was kind of all over the place. So it kind of helped to bring him back yeah. into a routine if our days were more regimented. Now he's a bit more settled with things and he is sleeping, which helps 
me to function a bit better because I'm not up three or four times a night, we have more room in our week to have flexible time. Yeah. And that's what Ash was needing. He just needed a bit more space and breathing space to not feel like every second of every single day was accounted for. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that for me, like in my day with Ted, we kind of wake up and we've got our morning planned, but from about 11 o'clock onwards, I can kind of decide whatever I want to do with him. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with Ash, as soon as he gets to work, he gets given a list of operations he has to do that day. And it is like, okay, you're in the lab from this time to this time. You've got this patient, this patient. You need to do X amount of scans. You get 15 minutes for lunch. And then you've got this patient, this patient, this patient. And if anything ever runs askew from that, it messes up the entire day. Yeah. I'm sure we have all sat in a GP clinic or in a hospital going, oh, my God, where is my doctor? Yeah. And that's because everything is planned out for them every second of the day. But, of course, medicine doesn't work like that so if you have a particular issue with patient they haven't followed some kind of medication that they were supposed to do they forgot about something that they were not supposed to do or were supposed to do and everything gets pushed back so I could understand from his perspective because I've just had this lovely day with Ted and you know we decided to go to the park in the afternoon because we had a few hours or we caught up and had lunch with a friend because we had flexibility in our time he never had that throughout the entire day so by the time he comes home and he has maybe an hour with Ted sometimes an hour and a half if he gets home early before Ted needs to be in bed and I'm really really on top of bedtime Mm -hmm. because I know that if he doesn't go down at the right time it will screw the whole night yeah so for him to feel like everything from the second he wakes up until you know, it's literally 9pm and we've cleaned up the kitchen after dinner and he has an hour and a half before he goes to bed and has to feed Teddy. He's just like, oh my God, my life is so controlled. And that would be really, really frustrating. Yeah. So have these conversations with your partners, guys. I want to have them when it's too late and it becomes a big point of contention. It becomes the big fight because it's not something you touched on earlier. And I think that's the thing. Like, I feel like we could rename our whole podcast like conversations with your partner (laughs) but it's true like the more you communicate with your person the easier all of this is going to become yeah because you without even thinking about it you're going to have expectations of your person yeah and I think too like if you've been with someone for a long time I guess you just assume that you know them well Mm. enough and you might be surprised at their thoughts and opinions on things and you know, I know that especially when things pop up and I might be reading an article on politics or something and I still sometimes will mention it to my husband and his reaction takes me back. Yeah, and, and you're like, me. oh, I, I wouldn't like, have thought okay. you think that way. But the thing you've got to remember is that, like, you spend hours and hours and hours of your day without your partner where you're influenced by other people's, convers- like, conversations or opinions or you're reading different things, like... Of course, you're always going to be influenced by different situations around you. And your opinions are going to change. Absolutely. As you grow and as everything around you grows, things might not be what they were five, ten years ago. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If you have your conversation like, oh, yeah, we talked about babies on our first date. Like, (laughs) in your ten years in, things are going to be totally different now. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope that those have given you guys some pointers if you are thinking about heading down the trail of a baby life and you're wondering what do I need to talk to my partner about 
Make sure you're on the same page, you know what to expect. Absolutely. And if you're not on the same page, that's fine. Just you need to work out workarounds for it. Where's the compromise? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And education is always a good way to go about it. If you feel like your partner's not getting on the same page about something in particular, send them some articles, give them the research as to why you feel the way that you do and vice versa because maybe there's something that you've missed as well that you can then sort of change the way that you feel about or or come to a compromise on so that you guys are more aligned yeah all right well that's probably it for us that's what do you think today, yeah well if you guys have any other big points that you think we've missed or that you think are really vital to have conversations with your spouse before you head down the baby path or maybe you've gotten a year in and gone oh i really should have talked about this earlier people need to know <laughs> let us know we'd love to hear from you so yeah. we are on socials you can find us on instagram facebook and tiktok you can send us dms there follow along and of course wherever you're listening to us whether it be spotify audible apple podcasts or whatever platform you're around. listening <laughs> Share it around, follow us where you can, and if you'd like to, you can leave us a review as well. We'd love to hear from you guys. We would. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.